simple things like space itself. So the Zulu word for space is is called umkati. Uh, and the problem with that is that the word for space in Zulu is also synonymous with uh, the word for the supernatural realm. So it can be fun to talk about space uh, in space science, uh, but when you talk about it in Zulu, it sounds like you're speaking of the supernatural realm. Uh, and they are the same word, so you have to explain a bit more what exactly you are talking about. Welcome to Science for the People. I'm your host, Marion Kilgore. Today we're discussing the opportunities and challenges of using Zulu, a language that has traditionally been excluded from science journalism, to share discoveries with a new audience. Joining me is Sipu Sisa Payela, a writer working as a science communicator at ScienceLink and a contributor at Cybre, a South African science news website. He also freelances as a science columnist for the Noseweek Investigative Journalism magazine. Another uh, important one is uh, the word for dinosaur. Uh, there is no word for, for dinosaur in, in, in Zulu, and I've, I've spoken about it uh, extensively in, in, in some articles just writing about that. So, yeah, that's the second word. If you talk about dinosaurs, uh, which I talked about a lot in South African uh, science media when it comes to Isuzu, you're not going to find it anywhere. Um, and if I have to write about it, I have to give uh, very long explanations exactly as to what I'm talking about. Yeah, so last year you wrote an article in Zulu about a new species of dinosaur that had been discovered in South Africa. And then you wrote an essay about the process of writing the science article in Zulu instead of in English. Mm. On the face of it, that sounds like a pretty straightforward task. So what were some of the challenges in writing an original science news story story in Zulu? So... uh the particular challenge uh, for that one story is some things that uh, typically as a science writer you would uh, typically rush through uh, easily, such as talking about a dinosaur and uh, talking about excavations and uh, millions of years in time scale and what a fossil is. Each of those terms and uh, each of those terms and words in Zulu, you'd have to, first of all, start explaining what they are. I mean, something as simple as a fossil will, fossil will require a whole paragraph explaining what a fossil is before you can move on uh, with the rest of the story. Even, even for a dinosaur itself, there's no Zulu word and there's no easy way of explaining uh, what a dinosaur is. You can imagine it as... Uh, if you had to talk to someone about a dinosaur without mentioning the word dinosaur, that's exactly what I, uh, I had to do for the for the Zulu story I wrote. And the process ended up being um, a lot of explanations uh, of what a dinosaur is, but I took it as an opportunity uh, to educate myself uh, more about dinosaurs in order to explain them uh, more to to readers. And it the story ended up being um, sort of like a fantastical 
story like you are uh, explaining some dragon-like creature that existed um, a very long time ago and it sort of spiced the story up a bit in that way um, so it, it, it in, in, in another story would have just been dinosaur and moved on but in that uh, in that Zulu story I ended up um, adding that flavor to it so the article that you wrote wasn't an article that you had written in English and then translated into Zulu. That would have been uh, the easy thing to do. Um, I mean, even Google Translate these days, you can write something in Zulu and translate it uh, back to English and somewhat do the same in reverse. Uh, but the thing with doing that is that... Uh, uh, Zulu speakers can detect when something has been uh, translated from another language, particularly uh, English. Um, it just comes through in a way that it's English, but spoken in Zulu. Uh, from the manner of speaking, the idioms used, um, and the way the terms are explained, uh, you can easily detect if something has been transliterated from from English. So I wanted to avoid that uh, so that Zulu readers can feel respected, um, that they were they were considered for the story, that the story is written for them and not just translated for them because uh, respect in the in, in, in the Zulu culture is held to 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 high esteem. So it's it was quite important for me to to not take the easy <laughs> easy route um, <laughs> to take the more difficult one um, it ended up being uh, rewarding in that sense so did you uh, did you spend the time and effort to translate all of the cyan scientific words that you would normally in an English article have used or did you keep some of them as borrowed English words in the final article? Um, I tried to keep as few uh, borrow in borrowed English as, as possible. Um, the way I used to approach writing in Zulu before was to write like how you would read in an old Zulu book. Uh, but most people don't speak or read like that today. So in some cases, when there are words that would make more sense if you write them in English than if you did in Zulu, very, very old people would understand, but anyone uh, in my generation uh, would not. So I kept uh, the borrowed English words as few as possible. Um, and where it was warranted, I just uh, continued with explaining uh, uh, the term instead of uh, using a borrowed uh, a borrowed term. What I tried to do in that sense was the first approach was to explain a scientific term um, or try to come up with a word for a Zulu version of that uh, word in Zulu. Uh, but then what I found worked better was to, instead of trying to translate a word, I tried to look at what exactly it means, um, uh, such as looking at some scientific terms uh, are made uh, up of prefixes and suffixes that are um, Greek and Latin. 
which when you when you read the 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 the, the Latin word itself, you realize <clears throat> that it's a sentence in itself that's just been made into one word. And a lot of Zulu words are like that themselves. Uh, so I tried to to do that, explain what a term means instead of just translating the term itself. Did um, did how news stories or stories in general uh, in Zulu conversations or Zulu culture affect how you framed things and how you ended up putting together the final article? Yes. Um, I would have preferred to write a health article or some other article that could be some other topic that could easily be uh, put into uh, the current uh, zeitgeist of what was happening in South Africa. But I went for the more challenging dinosaurs story, which had nothing to do with any current affairs uh, whatsoever (laughs) or any manner of uh, speaking that uh, everyone was focused on at the time. So um, in terms of the language itself and the grammar, I tried to stick to how people speak and how someone who would be reading it uh, would would understand uh, the story. So yes, I did uh, try to look at how do people speak. Uh, I would have preferred to attach it to some current event, uh, but there were none that would um, warrant me talking about them in 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 the in the science story about dinosaurs so i wrote the story um for it to 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 resonate with readers um based on its own merit so are there standardized scientific terms in zulu or or efforts to um add them to the language so that's the issue that I encountered um, some months before I wrote the dinosaur story to the point that uh, I was invited to speak at a at a translators conference, uh, the South African translators conference um, of 2018. And what I found there were a lot of uh, translators and academics in language who are talking about um, their efforts to to modernize their their profession by um, translating not specifically scientific but technical terms in engineering and related fields. Um, and I found that a lot of them had started this this effort this effort, sorry, um, in the late 90s or so, and they've been talking about uh, the fourth industrial revolution, um, automation and all those sorts of things where they they, they feel that uh, it's important to translate these, scienti- these scientific and technical terms. And it struck me as odd uh, that they've been doing this for a long time, but the translations that they've come up with and... Um, all those terms have not made it into scientific writing or into newspapers um, and other media. 
not uh, not because it's their fault in any way. Uh, they did their work as academics, but the thing with language I've learned is that you can come up with the most suitable word, uh, but if if you don't do it correctly, it won't uh, resonate with. Uh, audiences like if if a word is useless or is is not being used that word might as well be be dead and that's what's happening with a lot of these terms that are that are that they've been archived in some uh in some database uh in some database just sitting there and um they were very happy to see me there and uh, being a journalist talking about these things and they'd hoped that uh more people would um wake up to the idea of writing science stories in zulu uh but the issue has been uh interest a lot of there isn't much interest uh from i'd say zulu media to have that sort of uh of content uh for them uh Unfortunately, the people who are, more, who are most excited about the work that I'm trying to do are not Zulu speakers themselves. It's it's people who are it's English speakers who are very excited that such uh, uh, um, an effort is being made, uh, but not a lot of excitement from the people who would be who would be benefiting the most uh, from that. And as a journalist at the moment, I don't know yet how to. <laughs> how to fix that. I can be very excited myself uh, about this sort of uh, endeavor, but uh, how to get people excited themselves about it is is, is something I'm still uh, battling with. With science education in South Africa, South Africa has a pretty respectably large number of official languages. Mm. Is Is science education available in many of those languages so how it works in south africa at the moment is that um and how it happened to me as well is that in the lower grades um from first grade to i think third grade you learn everything uh from literacy uh, to maths to mathematics to uh to literacy you learn about it in in your home language um and then um as you go to the fourth grade you start um learning english uh more seriously as as opposed to passively um and then unfortunately around the same time that's when you start learning science as well you start with some basic biology and uh geography uh, just just a lot of basic stuff but Essentially, you learn science and English at around the same time. So you can imagine learning a new language uh, while at the same time learning uh, new scientific uh, concepts can be uh, quite difficult. Yeah, I can imagine that you're already... It's it's at the sort of age where you're already struggling with other things like puberty, plus you're learning uh, English. Mm. And you're getting a whole bunch of scientific terms thrown at you, which mm. even to a native English speaker sound like it's another language. Exactly. And so do you think people then just encounter all of this and 
go, well, I guess science isn't for me. I'm not interested in science. Uh, that's exactly that's exactly how it happened. Um, to the point that uh, older people or people who've uh, studied science in school uh, tell you that uh, science is just not for, for you um, as a young person and that you're not going to get uh, much work from it or that it's not going to be very useful, or it's only for, for geniuses and and nerds. Um, I was lucky in the sense that I didn't just get my science education from from uh, from public school. I, I mean, I never went to private school, but I was, I, I, I was lucky in that my mother was very <laughs> strict. And uh, she she got me into reading from a very young age, um, not too young, but sort of uh, uh, younger than most people are exposed to to books to the point that in high school, when I was reading books for fun, uh, people would question why anyone would do that. Books should only be read at school and if it's required reading right um, and and a lo- and I was exposed to a lot of science documentaries uh which which uh, allowed me to <clears throat> to connect what i was being taught in school uh which seemed quite abstract um <clears throat> because there wasn't much uh visual aid or a sort of um like it just always feels like what you're learning is separate from the real world it's just something that you have to memorize yeah. um yeah. Over the years, <clears throat> through my own readings um, and through uh, a lot of uh, popular scientific uh, programming, I was able to, I was very lucky to be able to make sense of the science that I was taught in school. But not everyone is as lucky. Uh, maybe they're not as interested in watching um, <clears throat> science documents or reading about science as as I am. Um, but for me, I don't want people to continue this notion that uh, in order to be good at science or to understand science, you have to memorize a lot of a lot of uh, facts. Uh, I hear uh, from a lot of uh, scientists that uh, who work with formulae, with who work with formulas or any other things that need to be memorized that they don't memorize them. They have <laughs> they have references where they look them up. <clears throat> Um, but uh, it's 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 that people should understand that science isn't just a body of knowledge, but it's a way of thinking and solving problems and realizing uh, human weaknesses when it comes to how we see the world. Um, and the more and more people uh, who see that, the better. You don't have to be a science genius to understand science. Uh, you just have to know a few basic concepts, and then you can understand any scientific concept explained to you. And it's a good way to realize when someone is lying to you or um, being dishonest in some way, uh, just based on uh, some good scientific thinking. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been trying to do Um in 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 my work as a writer yeah well and going back a little ways to to the vocabulary discussion it's it's all fine and dandy to have translations sitting in a database but unless they're 
alive in the language,、mm. then you know languages are living things. Unless it's getting used, it's it's not going to be helping too many people. Exactly. Exactly. The the Zulu people and South Africa, of course, all has a history of colonialism.、Mm. How is writing articles in Zulu or getting science terminology into mainstream、uh, Zulu vocabulary an act of decolonization? Okay,、um, to me,、uh, in order to to do decolonization, it's important to. To understand what、um, has been colonized in the first place,、uh, so that、uh, we can、um, have our own identity through our own language, without looking at it through the lens of、um, how you would say it in English.、Um, one of the most important works I've read is.、Um, Ngugiwa Tiyongo's、uh, "Decolonizing the Mind,"、um, and in it you get the sense that、uh, decolonization is a difficult process、uh, because you even have to define <laughs> exactly what、uh, decolonization is.、Uh, once you've removed、uh, colonial thought from、um, from Africa, what are you left with? What do you call? African,、uh, for example, what is African writing? Is it writing that's done by an African resident?、Uh, is it writing done by an African native who writes about it in their home language, even though that home language is will only be read by people in a small region? Or is it writing done by those same people but、uh, written? In English, and does writing it in English diminish in any way uh, uh, the writing of it? And where does Africa begin and end?、Uh, does African writing、uh, include people from other continents or regions who write about Africa? It's 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 very complicated. There's a lot、uh, to think about. But、um, in my case.、Um, I believe it's important to decolonize、uh, science writing in the sense that、um, at the moment、um, there's a common term、uh, in Zulu that talks about if you're dealing with technology or complicated science and you're an you're a black person and you can't figure it out, there's the joke that uh, uh, it's something. I mean, science and technology is 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 a thing of the white, right? That's the、uh, that's that's the term、uh, said in 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 Zulu. So there's that notion, besides the joke itself, that science isn't for us.、Um, we only engage in science if we want to be engineers or if we want to be scientists to get work, not so much to enrich our lives with、um, with scientific thinking, right? So. My idea of decolonization <clears throat> is to change that notion, to change the notion that、uh, science is Western, or that science、uh, is something that came with other people to to the continent. I would like for people to 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 own 
science as 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 part of their own culture uh scientific thinking uh, it might not be science in the empirical sense that it's done uh these days but scientific thinking um and all the benefits that come with it should be something that africans own as as something that's african as something that's human um and not to view it as something that's uh western um and another important aspect of that is the violence of colonization itself has been the effective uh genocide of uh of people um with their culture um and their language uh millions of zulus and other um uh ethnic groups in africa still exist but our cultures uh are nothing at the moment without uh a colonial lens to look through them uh it's very difficult to talk about uh aspects of the zulu culture for a long time without adding in some uh uh western philosophy in some way even if we don't uh realize it even 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 the concept of history itself and looking at history in in what year it happened or what great person did what um as zulu people who understand that history is much more complex than that it's not just great people doing great things or something that happened in a certain year uh even the language the way it's spoken and uh praise songs given uh to people's uh surnames that's our history and that's how we we see it <clears throat> so i would like to translate uh, or write science in my language so that zulu has a future in a post colonial um and scientifically minded uh society because if zulu doesn't become scientific and society moves into a technologically advanced and scientific um world then there's no use for for the zulu language and other african languages and they effectively die out and with them a lot of philosophies that are embedded in in the language so in short uh the whole idea of decolonizing science and science writing is to make sure that these african languages have a place in 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 a future um in the future that uh humanity will will have it might be a star trek future uh or something <laughs> like that but i would like uh zulu to to be to fit in comfortably in that future. Yeah, in Canada, uh the government undertook very explicit programs to try and erase indigenous languages and as a result many of them have gone extinct or have very few um native speakers. Mm. Did Zulu encounter similar pressures under colonialism? It has. Um in recent uh, in relatively recent history uh in south africa uh there has been during apartheid uh from the 50s to to the 90s there was a there was a lot of effort to to delegitimize uh 
African languages in South Africa. Uh, in 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 particular, in the year 1976, after the South African government of the time introduced uh, what's what was called Bantu education, uh, which was essentially um, a different lower grade of education for for black people in South Africa, um, which which had the um, the philosophy that uh, African people in South Africa have no use for advanced mathematics and science, so they shouldn't be taught um, uh, that sort of stuff. They should just be taught what's good enough for them to be good workers, um, good cleaners, good uh, nurses, good uh, police officers. That's all they were good for at the time. Um so one effort to do that was uh, also to teach uh, all subjects in 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 schools in Afrikaans. Uh, now Afrikaans um, is 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 an Okela is a good language in itself, but not very useful outside of South Africa. And at the time, not a lot of um, Africans were comfortable in being taught in 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 Afrikaans, and uh, the youth of 1976, in realizing that, uh, went on went on uh, a, a, a lot of protests um, in Soweto and across the country, uh, which led to uh, the students uprising when the government uh, um, when the government reacted violently, which caused the 1976 uh, Soweto riots. So that's the recent history. And and the history uh, that goes back a few hundred years uh, ago is that uh, the Zulu nation is one of the last few nations in Africa to be conquered by um, by English, uh, <coughs> British colonialists. Uh, because of uh, some Zulu pride, <laughs> a lot of Zulu pride, um, uh, some military uh, prowess um, done by the famous uh, Shaga Zulu. Um, you call him Shaga Zulu, but as a Zulu person, I call him Ilembe because as a Zulu person, I'm not allowed to call him by name. It's part of the respect thing. Uh, but ah. <laughs> yes. So um, when uh, uh, back then um, the, uh, the the British would um, basically uh, remove uh, the system of government we had back then when we had one king, um, and uh, they arrested um, King Edward's son. Um, uh, King Dinuzulu, um, and he was arrested, taken to uh, then, uh, the island of St. Helen. Uh, when he came back, uh, the Zulu nation had been subdivided into 13 chiefs who were basically uh, the puppets of the British um, British uh, Empire. And the Zulu nation has never recovered from that because we're still under the same uh, system uh, to this day. 
Um, so that's, there's been a lot of uh, a damage caused by colonialism in, in South Africa um, to the African nations in, 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 in South Africa and in recent history as well. So yeah, that's, that's just some of the examples of the damage that's been done. Um, some of the some of that damage we can never undo. We can't go back in time and fix that. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, my efforts, uh, little as they are, go some way to to try to fix some of that damage. So the fact that uh, modern Zulu is missing science terminology reflects basically the the historical power structures and and where where colonial governments basically thought people deserved to be in society. Yes, yes, uh, sort of uh, civilization of the savage, so to speak. Yeah, we don't we don't need to teach these people science, and as a result, people or the, I guess if. If many people aren't learning science and translating those terms into their own language, they just, they don't get used, they don't make it into the language, and then, mm. you know, many decades on, you're in the situation where there's a, a wide swath that's just missing. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's very difficult to even think of any ways to undo that uh the damage of colonialism uh, we are where we are today uh, it's all in the past um, but the damage and the power of the damage that was done uh, back then is 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 very difficult to to imagine or to even uh, fix fix these days so yeah so um why what benefits do you think uh, would come along with more science reporting in uh, in Zulu for people where that's their their home language. Um, the way I see it is that um, a lot of people who are Zulu do understand English uh, well enough, um, and that's not the motivation for me translating it's not such that so that more people understand it's so that more people um, get to own science as part of their own culture the issue these days is that when you're speaking about soccer or politics or anything else you can very comfortably speak uh, with a with a fellow uh, uh, Zulu speaker in Zulu completely but when it comes to something technical or something scientific, you find you find yourself code switching, um, and that changes the whole mood <laughs> of what is being uh, talked about. You're speaking, you're literally speaking a different language now. Um, so I think the benefit of making it more usual that uh, science is spoken about in in Zulu is that more people get to own it more people get to treat it as something normal more people would get to want to study it or encourage their children to study science not for the sake of getting jobs later in the future but also for the sake of 
making scientific uh, concepts and scientific thinking part of their lives. Um, I think that's that's important. It's not to turn more people into scientists. Uh, it's to turn more non-scientists into people who understand science uh, itself. That's the whole purpose uh, of, of what I'm trying to do. Do you think that having uh, more people interested in science and following along with science would also change the sorts of questions that science asks and looks into? Yes. Um, in some of uh, the scientific reporting I've done, I have noticed that um, when scientists, especially those who work with uh, communities, if you just visit a community, um, take some samples of whatever you're studying and just leave, uh, there's there's things that you might overlook, things that you wouldn't think of of asking, uh, questions you wouldn't even consider because you don't think they play a factor. But if you asked uh, a local or if you just had a normal conversation with a local, you'd be able to uh, come up with uh, new scientific questions. Um, you'd enrich uh, your, your, your science. Now, a lot of science advocates have this fear whenever you bring up decolonization of science. Uh, to them, science is science. Uh, it doesn't matter how what language it's spoken in or or like science is, 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 is pure in itself, uh, but it ignores the whole history of science and what science has done. Uh, around the world before it's even been used as a as a tool of colonialism and that's 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 created a lot of distrust uh from those who who've suffered the the the, the violence of colonialism so um in that regard i i i i think it's important to for people to 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 know that when we talk about uh, decolonizing science, we're not changing the basic tenets of science, but uh, by allowing um, more people who were previously not allowed to be scientists themselves to be to be in science, um, and then translating the science or talking about the science in a different language. <clears throat> There are a lot more other questions and ways of uh, explaining scientific concepts that uh, I think would enrich uh, science going forward. So the whole body of knowledge of science and scientific thinking, I believe, would be much more enriched if a lot more people who would come up with ideas that any other uh, scientist maybe might not consider uh, before. Uh, I think that's the benefit of <clears throat> one big benefit of uh, decolonizing science. Yeah, I, people seem to assume that scientific questions are, are valueless mm. investigations, mm. but mm. that is, it, it's obviously not true. The values and assumptions that you have culturally influence what questions you're going to ask exactly uh, one of our one of our hosts did an episode uh 
a, a month or two ago about um, how researchers doing uh, neurological studies using mice as models often only use male mice because they assume the female mice are far too variable and, and untrustworthy mm. for, mm. for research subjects. And it's like, mm. well, that's a value exactly. decision. It's a culturally driven decision. Mm. Mm. You're leaving half of the population that you're studying out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you're, ignoring just, a variable, yeah. you're ignoring a scientific variable that exists in order to come up with uh, a cleaner result, uh, which, which, which just think, makes you think that the world is much more simpler than it is, but there's a lot more nuance. Yes, you can control for a lot of variables, but they're just variables that you shouldn't remove just for the sake of getting uh, a more desirable result. Well, then there's... I can I can think of a few Canadian examples where, uh, you know, indigenous communities knew something, mm. <laughs> but science scientists told you know kept saying it wasn't true yeah. until until they went and did their own research and had their own data, and then they went, oh, I guess I guess you guys knew what you were talking about. Exactly, exactly. What other projects that that you're aware of are working on bringing science news to to non-english or non-africans speakers in south africa um at the moment there is a a program um by uh, a government institution uh for scientific outreach uh called uh sasta i think it's the uh south african um it's 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 a scientific uh body for science advancement in south africa they have this program where they uh train uh journalism graduates to they sponsor them to go to local newspapers and uh, TV stations and local news and local uh, radio stations to report uh, local science uh, news and explainers in their home languages. Um, and I'm seeing that a lot of these um, journalists are going out there and trying to promote uh, science in their own publications uh, wherever they are. So it is uh, slow going, but I think it's a really good uh, project, one that I would have uh, loved to be a part of if it happened uh, during my own time. Uh, but I think it's, 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 it's a great effort. Um, there are a few uh, uh, private endeavors uh by people like myself who are science communicators or science journalists who are trying to do some explainers um, online in their own blogs, um, doing some outreach for to people uh, in schools um, and the public, just talking about scientific concepts in, in Zulu. Um, and there are some scientists that I've been speaking to who are trying to name they are some new marine species or or, or or similar they want they are trying to name them uh, using uh, African languages like uh, Isis Zulu and uh, Isiklosa 
Um, and they sometimes consult with me asking, I've tried to name it this way, what would, what do you think? Uh, and they consult with other sciences. So there is that effort, um, all those efforts that are happening. And there's uh, a few more of us that we are finding each other, trying to uh, translate some scientific concepts into Zulu and some Zulu concepts that we think are related to, to science. Uh, to, so that we can uh, make people aware of their own scientific background in some way and also make uh, people aware of uh, English, I mean, of scientific concepts in English and how to talk about them in, in, in Zulu. Yeah, there's just a few of the projects that are happening. It's slow going, but uh, there are a few people here trying to, to make some changes. There's a there's a growing community, but it's like many things. It's it's just gonna take time and effort. Still, mm, it is. It is. Uh, I I know how to tell the news um, and to write scientific stories, but at the moment, I'm not an expert in changing people's minds or making something that goes viral and people grab onto an idea um, and. Uh, let loose with it, but we are hoping to find that uh, magic formula that would get a lot more people excited. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You can learn more about Sipu Sisa Piela and find links to his articles and social media at our website, scienceforthepeople.ca. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week with more Science for the People. Science for the People is listener-supported. You can find us on Patreon, where you can support us with monthly donations in any amount. Your support keeps us afloat and able to keep making great new episodes, and we thank you for it. The show is produced by Rochelle Saunders and edited by Ryan Bromsgrove. We get help with special projects from K.O. Myers. Our theme song was written and recorded by Fractal Pattern, and its title is Binary Consequence. The show is hosted by Bethany Brookshire, Anika Hazra, Marion Kilgour, and me, Rochelle Saunders. 